<laughs> and we are live with another episode of SEC Tavern Talk. I am your host, Rob, not joined today by JB because he's being lame or because he says he's too busy. I, I'm not really sure. Uh, but either way, he's not here. I'm joined by my guest, Wes Meborn. <laughs> Still just a guest. How you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> not co-hosting or nothing with you today. <laughs> no. Hopefully that that joke doesn't kind of soft this time. Yeah, <laughs> take two. Uh, yeah, take two. Uh, for those listening, wondering why we just said that, uh, Skype just decided to cut out on our first recording, so we're trying this again. Uh, technological problems here, but <laughs> how you doing today, man? I can't complain now. Things are rolling back the way they should. Getting <laughs> talk top, uh, college football. That's right. Always good. Uh, you want to recap that not so much of a game y'all had this weekend? Man, I, I tell you what. Um, sure. 49 to 9. Um, I really didn't see Mississippi State kicking three field goals. I, I honestly thought that uh, um, they would have gone into it knowing that field goals weren't going to win. And, uh, probably pull a Kiffin and go, go for it on fourth down a few times, especially if they were close enough to kick a field goal. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, big win. Hate it for Leach. Love it for Bama, though. Um, with uh, the big win uh, coming after the Texas A&M loss, uh, good to kind of shake that off and uh, get, get reoriented with uh, Iowa losing. Bama's back in the top four. So... All the goals are still uh, within reach. One loss to Texas A&M doesn't even knock Bama out of the West uh, discussion because uh, A&M's got those two losses. So uh, we should be in good shape. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, Georgia allowed 13 points from Kentucky. Two whole touchdowns. Which... Yeah, which they shouldn't have uh, allowed 13 points, but Stoops really wanted that last touchdown called a touch, uh, timeout with three <laughs> seconds after he got stuffed multiple times. Oh, man, that was can annoying. You, can you blame him, I don't him, blame him, though. No, not, not one bit. It's just now everybody's like, Oh, they scored the most points on Georgia. Yeah. Actually, they did, and they tied. <laughs> but, I mean, if you think about it, like, the both teams that scored 13 on Georgia mm-hmm. this year, the last touchdown, and both of them were in trash yep. time. South Carolina's one touchdown they scored was in trash time. And so was Kentucky's. I mean, I consider that trash time because we were we didn't want to let them score, but we weren't really like you know until they got to the goal line, we weren't playing as as tough D as we were the rest of the game because we were we already needed six or seven or whatever it was. Yeah, you uh, you see that from uh, some of the bigger programs riding riding on a. Um, uh, a big defensive streak, like with Georgia, not giving up that many points. You know, o- only having given up double digits once 
in the season before. There's a lot of pride on that side of the ball, but at the same time, it's almost like you can see the coaches saying, hey, just chill out a little bit. We don't want anybody hurt. We don't want any targeting penalties yeah. knocking you out for the first half next week. You know, n- none of that. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, Kentucky takes advantage of it. Well, you know, and I mean, yeah, you don't want injuries, but I don't know. I'm sure, I didn't really that last try. I didn't pay attention to who was in. I'm sure we had some subs in too. Uh, not all starters, yeah. I'm sure, but uh, you know, I mean, it's still it's funny. Like, people, somebody was talking about how. Most points scored on Georgia, and it was against Kentucky. It was, you know, it was Kentucky that did it. Oh, I knew it was, but I won't name it. They said it was Kentucky. I was like, really? Like, this was coming from a Tennessee fan, that's all I'll say. Um, so, that, so that was really funny to me. But especially considering that Tennessee will lose to Kentucky. Imagine being a Tennessee fan right now. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, but I mean, we're still outscoring our opponents by an un, like a ridiculous oh, amount. We've given up forty six points all season, which is most. Uh, I don't remember what was it. How many teams have given up forty six? Yeah, a lot of teams have given up more teams in one game than we have all season. Yeah, I, I heard that last week going into the Kentucky game. I think it was like 40-something teams haven't scored uh, yeah. more than uh, more than that. It's just insane. And, and, I mean, like, and we've outscored people, too. Like, we, I don't even remember how what, what our score total is now, but it's ridiculous compared to what we've yeah. given up. Plus, we're, we were averaging 5.5. Uh, uh, points per game given up after Kentucky at six point six. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, That's like, we're still not giving up many points at all. Um, and you can say what you want about our offense. Our offense is doing what it needs to do. It, it's not. Like, if we happen to win a national championship, I don't care. I care nothing about comparing it to any other year. It means yeah. nothing to me. If we win a national championship, it's a national championship. That's sure. all that matters to me. You know, and that's that's the thing that people are like, "Well, they're not this." I'm like, I don't care. Like, if you think after 41 years, I'm not going to take a national championship if I get it, you're out of your oh, freaking yeah. mind. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, when uh, Saban first got to Bama, the the first few title teams were serviceable offenses. Uh, now, granted, there, there was an Ingram Heisman winning uh, running back, but he wasn't, um, he wasn't flashy like your Reggie Bushes and, and things like that. He was, he was a workhorse back, and we just had incredible defenses those few years. Uh, it wasn't really until uh, 2012 that it broke out, but I'm, I'm right there with you, man. National title is a national title. doesn't matter how you get there. If your defense is elite and your offense is so-so, you got a trophy at the end of it, who cares? <laughs> well, here's the thing is, 
we're doing what we're doing on offense, and we got like ten guys. Oh yeah. Out. George Pickens is out. Like, uh, I don't know how many guys on in the receiving core we have out. Like four or five of our top receivers are out. Um, guys are stepping up. Our starting quarterbacks out. What, three weeks now. You know. I think so. Um, I think they purposely like. I think he might could have gone against Kentucky, but I really think yeah. they wanted to arrest him because to save him for Florida. Because I, according to what I read, he's been throwing more this week. Basically, what they're doing is the doctor at Georgia is monitoring him and watching him throw and like telling him how many reps per so far uh like a yeah. certain distance he can throw and he's getting more reps at a further he's starting to throw like at first it was like 20 25 yards now it's like 40 45 yards downfield you know i was gonna get and he hasn't had yeah. doesn't have any pain so i think it's starting to heal if he is healthy he will start against florida everyone's saying we have a quarterback controversy there's yeah. no controversy. JT Daniels is the better player. I like Stetson a lot. I mean, I'll, he's a like he's hard not to like, but he's not the big time. He's not going to win yeah. the big time games for you. He might do enough to. He might do enough. To, he might be able to do enough to beat Florida, but when it comes down to national championship time, I'm not saying he can't do it, but I'm saying that JT is in a better position to do it. Well, he can make the big plays. Stetson has legs, and he has he has the ability to make a lot of good passes, but he cannot throw downfield. And we need someone who can throw a deep ball, because when you have that threat, that's what opens up the run. And then you just go back there. So... It becomes a balance attack. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't uh, Bennett the quarterback for Georgia last year when y'all played Bama? Um, yes. I, I, and he played a yeah, good first half. It was like then. he played re- played really well uh, for one half and really not well. It wasn't wasn't really that bad because if I remember correctly, one of the interceptions bounced off the receiver's hand. But it's not like he was particularly bad. He just wasn't particularly yeah, great either. And, um, you know, it's it's going to be hard. Like you say, he's not bad. It's just Daniels gives you that extra um, extra level. Um, let me put it this way. You, you get a lot of, like, these SEC schools or even, like, uh, Pac-12 or a group of five teams. He starts yeah. for almost any of them. He's a talented quarterback. Uh, he's a workhorse too. He's just not. He's not going to be ever going to be anywhere near an elite status. And like the players want to play for him, so he's got that. Um, and he's a morale booster. He's just not. When he gets pressured a lot, he tends yeah. to make more mistakes. When our line gives him, I like the way uh, one of the, my friends who's in the tavern says it. Um, when he has 
when he has all day to throw, he's like he's as accurate as Joe Montana. But when he's not, he makes mistakes. Like like a Ryan Mallet. That, you know, that's true. And he can Yeah. Kind of like. Kind of like that. But so I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think Stetson could beat Florida because I just I mean honestly I don't think Florida's well, also, that he's great. He's kinda in a groove but, too. Um, I would prefer to have He's he's kinda in a groove too. He's what having three weeks playing playing well with the defense as good as uh they've been, it makes it easier for your quarterback to get out there and play play loose. It makes it easier on the offense to get out there and if you make a mistake, if you throw an interception, if you you know have a bad string of uh, third down, uh, you know, three and outs. It's not the end of the world because you know your defense has got you. Mm-hmm. Right, and he made a couple of really good throws. One of them in particular that I remember he he um, our tight end Brock Bowers uh, was getting off a block and Stetson laid it up in oh, the air. Yeah. As soon as he came off the block, he turned up, looked on it, fell right in his arms, and he ran to the end zone. I'm like. You yeah, that ball was two thirds of the way there before the receiver turned around. So, <laughs> <That was insane. laughs> and he just it just fell right in his arms. I'm like, man, that was perfect. Um, so I mean, it's hard not to like the guy, but uh, I just don't think I think we're gonna need JT to to um, what, go. What all do you think away. about this? Because JT's played in is it two games or three games this season? Just two? I think just two. So. I think. Uh, well, there was one. I feel like there was one game played a little bit in, but it couldn't go or something like that. So, so I can't remember. He, hear me out on this theory, right? What if they stick with Bennett until the SEC championship game? And so you've got the SEC championship game and potentially two postseason games. Still keeps him at, at five games and he can maintain a red shirt. And keep that year of eligibility, possibly even leading his team to a national title. Who? Are you talking about? Yeah. Are you talking about JT? Well, I think if he leads us to a national title, he's going to the league. Oh, okay, that's that's fair. Because he still got he still got another year of eligibility technically. Well, every, everybody last year did. It doesn't count against anybody. Well, right, but I mean, he's a he would. He's only played two years in okay. college now. Because I think, well, and I think at USC he got his he got a medical redshirt for yeah you know being hurt. So there's that. Uh, so I think he's only technically a junior, and then I guess technically if you count COVID, he wouldn't even be that. So I'm, I'm not sure. I'd have to look up exactly what he is. <laughs> Um, all that is kind of confusing with that yeah. added in there. Hmm. Um, I don't know, just, just floating something out there. Right. Just thought it was fun to, to think about. Yeah. I honestly, though, a lot of people talk about I think JT will play if he's healthy yeah. enough. If he's good to go. So, um, But just recapping the rest of the games. Auburn beat Arkansas, even though they got a bunch of crap calls in that game. It is what it is. Um, man. Don't blame on the rest. I know, 
I know. Tim. Don't be JB. He's not here. <laughs> oh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. It's not blaming on the refs. It was just the frustrating thing about it was they um, uh, they called they didn't call an obvious pi like in the end zone, and then they called one on Arkansas when the guy just barely touched yeah. him and the ball was out of bounds. It's like, come on, dude, you gotta you gotta do better than that. But no, I don't think it deter- like outright determined the game. I don't think very much does. There are a few times when refs like clearly determine the game, but that's far and few between. Um, usually, even if bad calls are made, like it's uh, you still mm-hmm. could have done other things to win the game. Uh, so I was just hoping Arkansas would beat Auburn because <laughs> I hate Auburn. So you know, uh, LSU. Beats Florida in Death Valley, and I laughed my head off because that was awesome to see Florida lose to LSU, who's not very good this year. <laughs> um, Florida, I'd be surprised if Grantham is still there next year. Yeah, that's, that. honestly, that's one of I think the more surprising things is not necessarily that Florida's lost three games, which given the way the season's gone, is fairly surprising. But I think it's how bad that defense has been. That is atrocious. And I think you're right. I, I don't think Grantham's coming back for another year. I mean, 49 points to LSU. And, and, as, and they had a rec- They have not rushed all year and had a record high of like 247 with one back. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a team that – Outside the SEC, I mean, they scored 21 points against uh, Kentucky and lost. They scored 19 points against Auburn and lost. They scored 28 points against Mississippi State uh, and won that game. 49, half a hundo. Like that's that's what they did to Central Michigan. <laughs> like it's well, and keep in mind they didn't, they shouldn't have had 21 against Kentucky. Kentucky let up. Mm-hmm. Because they got up by so much, they started playing conservative defense. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it really, I mean, I forgot. Weren't they up like 35 to 7 at one I point? I think so, yeah. Like, they stopped caring. They probably put in backups to save their starters. Yeah. So, to me, they only scored, legitimately, probably only scored 7 or 14 points. Yeah, but you've got a team that's losing their coach. We'll talk about that more later. And that's yeah. uh, just I – mean, this was 2019 LSU. Yeah, you could understand that. One touchdown, you know, late uh, is the difference. But the, the way this this year has been for both teams, like you got to think Florida was thinking in t- uh, oh, not this week but next week was going to be the game for the East with Georgia. Right, That's that's what they thought going into it. That's what some of us thought preseason. I, I know you had Kentucky being number two. Kudos to you for that. Um, but I, I really thought Florida was uh, was going to step it up this year. And th- this defense, whew, that's bad. Yeah. Um, A&M beat Missouri 35-14. Um, speaking of defenses, Missouri didn't have one. 
Nope. South Carolina gets a last-second victory over Vanderbilt. That's just pathetic. Take the wins where you can, man. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, uh, of course, Luke Doty went down, so that didn't yeah. help. Um, and Ole Miss travels to Knoxville and about gets hit in the head with a bunch of trash but comes away with a 31-26 to victory. I mean, and we won't go into that massacre of nonsense. I I, I will say though, uh, not uh, all the stuff at the end, but love him or hate him, Lane Kiffin is good for the SEC. He pregame booze raining down from the stands. I, re- I think they really like me, right? I mean, <laughs> that 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 was great. And then by the end of it, you see him. Like on his hands and knees on the sidelines, just praying for the last few seconds to t- tick off so that they could call this game done. It's like you see everything on him, and he is just fantastic with the press, fantastic with the social media. He is a troll, and he's one of those personalities that yeah. just makes college football Saturdays that much better. Yeah, and I mean. He just takes the punches and rolls yeah. with them. Like, you know, only Tennessee gets that mad over calling, you know, timeouts before a kick, before a field goal. Like, that's just, that's all, that's an old, co- a classic coaching yeah. move. That's been done for as long as I can remember. But I will say, when he called the second one, and I saw that big spark oh, on his face. Oh, you knew it was coming. Oh, I, I, I busted out laughing because I was like, these fans cannot stand this man. And the boos got louder. And then I said, I know he's going to burn the third yes. one. And he did. And I was like, yes. See, it's that kind of thing. Because I knew how – like, but see, that normally is not that big of a no. deal. But Tennessee fans have so much hatred for him that it just it made us that much more enjoyable mm-hmm. to watch. If I'm being honest, um, now the the injury stuff, like I'll, I'm not going to go along on that. All I'll say is everybody wants the officiating rules to change. That's a dangerous yeah. thing. Like I get it. I don't put it past Kevin one bit to fake a bunch of injuries. I don't put that past him at all. That He's the, the type of person that would pull that crap. At the same time, though, the one time a ref accuses someone of a fake injury and they do that by rule, he's going to lose his job and every ounce of money he has because he's going to get sued the crap out of him because it's going to turn out to be a real injury. That's a dangerous game you're playing by doing that. Now, I will say... Um, one thing was suggested that I don't think would be a horrible thing. If you come out for an injury, you don't come right back in. Um, I heard it suggested for an entire drive. Well, I don't agree with that because a drive can be like 25 plays sometimes. That's a little bit extreme. Um, somebody can have a nagging, an injury like a cramp or a nagging, something that hurt, you know, it's painful, but you go over the sideline, you work it out, you come back, maybe make them set out for, Three yep. or four plays. That's increasing number of plays. Yeah, but coming back the next, 
Yeah, that I'm fine with. But you come back in the next play, and you and like fifty eyes go down and do that. It's a little bit. I can understand why they were mad over that. So I'd be interested to see, um, like a tally of how many times that happened compared with an average. Because I I've seen it in some games, but I still think it's infrequent enough that it can be chalked up to game conditions, conditioning, things like that. I mean, it, football Saturdays in the South, even now, aren't exactly cool, right? It's not Minnesota in early December. You know, it's still humid. It still gets hot. Even a night game. Like, it's deceptively warm uh, sometimes out there. And I don't know what it was like in Knoxville. I'm, I'm not going to pretend to know that, but I'm, I'm with you. It's a dangerous game to start um, calling out kids for faking injuries. And even if Kiffin would, and I'm with you on that, I wouldn't put it past him. I think um, it's it's a it's a step too far to say everybody who went down, or even half of everybody who went down, or whatever percentage you want to make. It's not just Kiffin going down; it's each individual player. Like, would they do that? Would they really take themselves out of a game willingly? Right? You, you got starters on defense. Would they really say, you know what? I'm going to leave my team for a play just to, just to get a breather here. Like, is that something they would really do? I'd, I mean, ignorance because I've never played the game uh, at that level, but I, I don't see guys like that doing that. Well, I mean, you might be able to see that more if it's like at the very end of the game and um, or something like that, and they're trying to stop the clock, or if it's um, like someone who's playing all mm-hmm. no huddle up tempo. I've seen that before. Notre Dame did that against Georgia um, the last time they played, and. One of the times it was blatantly obvious that he was faking an injury, and I always the only reason I say that is because the guy got up and his own player ran from like 15 yards away and pulls him back down that's, to the ground. I'm like, and they caught that on camera egregious. too. I'm like, that is blatantly yeah. obvious. How do you not do something about that? But in 90, 98% of the time, there's no way to tell that, and it's it's so it's so hard to just say, oh, they did that. And, on and even then, right? Just like with uh, Auburn, Arkansas, uh, individual bad calls aren't going to uh, impact the game to to the level of final score, right? Similarly, right. one. Blatant and, and at this point, you could say apparently fake injury, right? Even if that happens four or five times in the game, right? You replace that or you replace bad officiating calls with that. That's still not going to be enough to change the scope of the game, right? The one play here and there uh, where they do that. But I, I can think of um, the two national championship games that Alabama Clemson played back to back. Where Clemson ran Alabama ragged 
And by the fourth quarter, Bama's defense was gassed. And you had, I mean, Clemson was running that no huddle, um, up tempo offense, and Bama was was losing guys left and right, go, trying to sub sub guys in with cramps and and fatigue and all of that. And you know, one year Clemson didn't catch up; the other year they did. And in both cases, nobody was saying, "Oh, Bama's, you know, uh, doing this on purpose." It was legit, like you say, fourth quarter, guys just get tired. Like when you've got a team that's firing on all cylinders or that's that's hitting hard, you know, running really well, uh, spreading the field, uh, getting the defense running and active the whole game by the fourth quarter, that's exactly what's happening. And it, it wouldn't surprise me at all, but you know, bottom line, try, trying to call it in uh, in that particular game, that that's going to be rough. Come back on the, on the back end and – let the officials look at plays where, you know, one player is pulling another player down. Um, I've seen in games past where a guy is getting up off the ground and another guy comes over and is like, no, 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 don't get up. You know, those kinds of things. Let the officials take that up with the particular schools that that, that happens to. Let them pay a fine on the back end, something like that. Um, but don't don't punish the teams during the game. That's that that's a step too far. At least for now. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say about that game is um, I don't care what Tennessee fans think they saw. Replay showed that he was 100% short of the line of the game, and I'm sorry. Yeah, all the outrage over that was ridiculous. Sorry, go ahead. I just had to. Uh, But let's – Yes. Move on. Too much time on Tennessee um, and Lane Kiffin. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the next topic. The next topic. Um, and let's talk about the uh, coaching carousel oh, here. Um, thoughts on USC and LSU job. Well, I, I mean, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a surprise um, for uh, either team to, to be looking for a, a coach. I know we talked about preseason. Uh, Clay Helton probably wasn't going to make it through the season. Um, it was – it's not unprecedented for a national championship coach to lose his job two years later. Uh, it happened to Chiswick. So, you know, if you're coaching for a team called the Tigers, don't don't be this bad two years in a row afterwards. But uh, I, I think between those two – I still think it's more surprising that Harbaugh still has a job than it is that either one of them are looking for new coaches. But um, for for LSU to work out this deal with Orgeron to still finish the season, that's that's incredibly strange. Like it's probably financial with the buyout because I don't know if they're still paying less miles or not. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if they were. Um, but if, if this structure was financial, whew, 
that's LSU's not in a good not in a good way, and it doesn't look good for their next hire after this either. Um, and, and honestly, at this point, I don't know who you get to fill the fill the role, right? I, I don't. Does USC really want Urban Meyer? You know, do, can can LSU well, really get Lane Kiffin? <laughs> yeah. No, they can't. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about LSU that is odd to me. I so I get some people say why fire in the middle of the year. I actually think it's smart because you know you're going to fire him at the end of the year anyway. At, at a certain point, and it makes sense to go ahead and be looking for the next coach. However, I don't get why they waited until they won a game and then fire him. Like why? And you fire him before the game. Like apparently the talks of that talk is that negotiation has been going before this game is what I saw. So it wasn't. It's weird that it happened now, but it was already being discussed. Uh, they were just trying to figure out the terms of it, I think. Um, but I mean, he was never going to be the show. They won team with. Because of Joe Brady and who was the other offensive assistant? Oh, I don't know. But, but you, you always uh, hear about the two Joes, right? Brady and Burrow uh, being being the the ringleaders, and, and really, even though they were co offensive coordinators, that, that was that was Joe Brady's brainchild. Um, well, I mean, he yeah, he ran that. You had him, him the one other offensive assistant, and then you had uh, uh, Dave. Uh, oh, what's his last name? The defensive coordinator, Aranda, yeah. So all those uh, assistant coaches just made Addo look good. Uh, he didn't actually um, – he didn't actually have much to do with that, and I don't think he was ever going to do much. Like, you, you kind of like Ordron because – you know he's fun with the media. He, uh, he he's he's fun battling yeah. the subtitles. <laughs> Fuck Um, here, all your oh, 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 yep. go tired. <laughs> so I, I mean, trying to make out what he says. It's it's fun. Um, he's hot. You know he's he's a fun guy, but he, I just don't think he's. Ever going to be that good of a coach? So everybody that saw him at Ole Miss, oh, he may go knows some... that he's not the guy. Yeah, I think I think there's no chance that Lane Kiffin is leaving right now. That's not going to happen. Um, I don't think Joe Brady's going to leave and come back. I really hope he doesn't, but I don't think I don't think that's a realistic thing. Um, so the question is, like, who do you get? I, I mean, I don't see, as far as USC, I don't see Urban Meyer coming. I don't think anybody wants Urban Meyer right now. Yeah. It, he's, he's, he's not going to stay anywhere long enough. And even if he gets fired by the Jaguars, I just don't see, I don't see anybody wanting him for that. Like, he's just, he's there and then, He's yeah. gone, and you know, the longest he stayed was at Florida, and that even wasn't even that long. 
So, you know, you're you're looking for somebody to build a program, not to just come in and coach for a couple of years. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't really know who to fill those roles. Either one of them. Yeah, I, I don't. And I think it's safe to say, at least right now, that there aren't very many good options. Um, as far as that's concerned, I, I'll I'll go ahead and say too with LSU, I don't think Orgeron is the coach much longer. I know they just agreed to this term, but based on some of the gossip, but we'll we'll say for now, but based on some of the the things that are coming out about Orgeron and some of his extracurriculars, um. It wouldn't surprise me at all if there's a clause in the contract that LSU can use to part ways with him without having to uh, worry about a buyout or negotiate the buyout after the fact, something like that. But it still boggles my mind. Like you say, if you're going to fire the coach, go ahead and fire him now like USC did. Start looking for the next guy for recruiting purposes. But with LSU, like you're not – moving on I mean sure that stuff can be in the background but the players that uh, allegedly don't respect him don't want to play for him like they're not playing for an interim coach like he was five six years ago they're they're still playing for him they're still there and if if these you know these rumors are true they don't want anything to do with him right that What's that going to do to the rest of the season, especially coming off a big win, right? They could turn the corner, and just like when he picked up as the interim coach, finish the season, what, 4-2, and 5-2, and two, something like that, with uh, two decent losses to Alabama and Florida that year to earn the job, right? What's, what's it doing to the program to keep this guy around knowing that he's not going to be there next year? I think he's he's going to be a drain on the yeah. rest of the the season. And it, I mean, even if what's what's being said off the field is not true, it's odd. And if there's any truth to what he's doing off the field, what's happening in the locker room with him or with his coaches, if any of that's true, I think this is just going to get worse and worse and worse. And we may. It's too early to say now, but we may be looking at something like a Tennessee of the West. Like just a perpetual rebuild. I mean, because you think you got Bama, yeah. you got Texas A&M, which, you know, slayed the giant a couple weeks ago. You got Arkansas, which is in the mix. Auburn, definitely not going away. I mean, you've got a realistic perennial fourth maybe fifth best team in the division it's going to take a lot to get them up from where they are yeah I agree I don't know what you do with that but why would you keep a guy coaching that you know you're going to get rid of just start looking for the next coach and let somebody step in and take the reins for the rest of the season um, as you know, at the end of the season, like 
you've got a new guy. So uh, I'm just thinking. Yeah. But I mean, clearly though. But I mean, clearly though, they're giving up on the season. Like they're not really even. They're not playing for anything if they're doing that. So I don't know. I don't know. Um. Let's let's switch gears and talk about the the Heisman race. What um what do you think going into what do you think going into I have some thoughts on it, but what do you what do you think going into the uh, the week eight about I mean, the race? There's not at this point. There's no like eye popping player uh, that that's jumping out there. Um, with, with all the intangibles, the closest is um, what Ritter uh, out of Cincinnati. Um, I mean, arguably the best player on uh, the, the the Cinderella team of the country, and I, I think if uh, Cincinnati winds up, you know, finishing undefeated, crashing into the playoff, I, I don't think it, if things hold true the rest of the way. I don't think Bryce Young beats him in the Heisman if that happens because Bryce Young's just the next quarter next great quarterback at a great school. Um if um uh, if Texas winds up winning the Big 12, I don't think um was it Bijan Robinson? I don't think he he gets it. I think um Ritter is probably in the best position to secure it even though a lot of the the, the pundits right now have him around uh, fourth, fifth, maybe third. Um, but from what I've seen, Young and Robinson are uh, two that are up there. But um, even as a Bama fan, um, I, I like Young. I, I think he's great. But I, I haven't seen anything from him that really jumps off the page. You know, if he, if he engineered that game-winning drive against Texas A&M, maybe – he he solidifies a number one spot, but um, Cincinnati's been doing it, and they're undefeated. They're number two in the country, and unless um, you know they lose a game, unless Ritter has like a three interception uh, loss of what Navy this week or something like that, I, I really think it's his to lose. Yeah, and I, I mean you've always got. Matt Corral is a potential yeah. uh, just because, you know, that high-powered offense. But to me, I've all, I, I've never been a big fan of the Heisman, partly because it, like, it is so stat-based that it's like it almost always mm-hmm. goes to a quarterback. And sometimes it goes to a running back. And then last year, it's like, will we ever see a wide receiver win it again? And then finally, you know, we get we get one in Alabama, but um, which he, I mean, Smith earned that; he deserved it. Um, but see, to me, I think this is the I think this is the time we need to change the way that the Heisman is done. Because there's nobody staying apart statistically, so I think we need to. I think the Heisman needs to be 
not that it shouldn't be based on stats, but I think there should be what it, who who makes the mm-hmm. biggest impact on college football. And right now, I, I don't care if you call. Me, I'm, I'll try not to be a homer, but I don't care if you call me one right now. There's no one in the entire country that makes a bigger impact on college football than Jordan Davis. That man is a flat-out beast. And this is the year, if any, that you, you give it to a defensive player. I mean, he he's not getting the sacks. He's not – I mean, he's getting some. But he's not getting the big-time stats, which is why he's not yeah. being looked at. But, I mean, every play, he's affecting the play. He's putting pressure somewhere. He's either putting pressure on the quarterback – or he's drawing the offense to him so that other players can get to the quarterback and either get a hurry or get a sack. That's why George's defense is doing so well. And then you put Jalen Carter on the other side too. Like the two of them are just massive human beings. And I mean, what they say he was Jordan Davis was running like 19 mm-hmm. miles an hour. The man's 340, yeah. 350. <laughs> like. I don't run that fast enough. <laughs> you know, way smaller. So it's just, it's insane. Like, the, the amount that he can do. And, you know, he came in as a three star, not even expected to be that big of a player, but he was developed. He worked his butt off. And he became the player he is now. I mean, so, I don't know. For me, like, I get that it's a, a hyped-up hyped mm-hmm. award. But this year, like, there's just nobody that's, like, outstanding this year on the offense. And so... I, th- I just think it should be a lot more should be considered with the Heisman, but I, I mean, it'll never happen, but that's why the hashtag JD to NYC has become a thing. Um, because like dog, the people from dog nation, the podcast and the, and all that, they, they started that in the sense of like, we know there's no chance of, him winning it, but if we can get him there on the stage and talking about it, then it might change the conversation for future years, and, and uh, also get him. You know, his, his draft stock has been building and building, and so that would help him as well. But one of the guys said we should put um, Adam Anderson and Kobe Dean. One of them. I think it was the Kobe Dean put him forward because he's getting more of a stat, but but I just think Jordan Davis is affecting more, and I think he deserves to be at least in the conversation. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think it'll ever happen. So that that's my two cents on it. I don't. I've never been a biggest fan well, of the Heisman I, for that reason. I, I think you're you're onto something uh, though, because um, the year Mark Ingram Ingram won it, uh, 2009, that was the last year that I, I remember um, a defend uh, a defensive player getting 
any, I won't say any, getting that level of serious Heisman consideration, and that was in Dominican Sioux out of Nebraska. And I, I just looked it up because I, I, I thought um, it had to do with the impact on the Big 12 championship game, but, you know, they came within one second of beating Texas. Uh, like that last uh, was the last offensive play of the game. Colt McCoy went to throw it out of bounds, and they had to review it to see when it actually hit so that they could stop the clock before uh, Texas could kick a game-winning field goal. But that game, he had four solo tackles, one assist, and five sacks in the biggest game uh, of the season. Um, and like that's that's the type of impact. So even on the defensive side, um, you know, if you're not getting those tackles, if you're not getting the sacks, if you're not causing the turnovers, even if you're not recovering fumbles, are you forcing fumbles? That kind of thing. I think it's possible for a defender to, to get in the mix. Um, and especially in contrast to last year, where it seemed like we had several great offensive players. I mean, Mac Jones was really good. Kyle Trask was fantastic last year. Devontae Smith, I'm with you. He earned it uh, as a receiver. I mean, you you had like eye-popping players and, um, you know, doing the Heisman so late. You, even Najee Harris with the, the little hurdle over the, the Notre Dame guy. You had these type of plays that were just insane. Uh, but you don't see that this year out of anybody. Um, and, and I would I would say arguably um, even out of defensive players. Like if – if uh, remind me his name again. Yeah, Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis. Um, I kept thinking JT because JT Daniels instead of JD. Uh, but, yeah, if, if he, um, you know, came out of the gate against Arkansas – and defensively helped, um, you know, set that tone, not by drawing extra blockers, but by coming in and collapsing the pocket, maybe even getting a sack or two early on um, that sets him apart, right? Something that's that's eye-popping. And like it or not, you know, defensive guys have to be at at an extra level. And and I think Ndamukong Sue was – and there have been other guys since that have gotten some hype, but you, you've got to have got got to have the impact that's explicit, not implicit. And, and I mean, I'm right there with you, the the defensive guys who can take two, three blockers and still make something happen, still control where the offense goes with the ball, they're invaluable. But they're not going to show up uh, on the stat sheet. Well, the thing that really for Georgia has gotten this year is like all the defenders are like the whole defensive side of the ball is, you know, team first. They have a team first attitude. So they're all working together very well. And, you know, some of these guys as well as they're playing, they could be like, they could want all the tension, do all that, but they, you know, they really treat each other like family and mm-hmm. just, they don't care who gets the sack, who gets the, and you don't see that often. So Kirby and 
honestly, I think it's more uh, Dan Lanning than Kirby as far as just the building, because the, he's our defense coordinator, building the relationship aspect between those players. Um, I, I don't know as much about him, but just the way Kirby's talked about him and what I've seen, he looks more kind of like a he looks. He seems. He strikes me as more like a family yeah. man himself, and so bringing that into the team, I think that's affected the team a lot. And uh, and then the fact that you just got Kirby Smart, Dan Lane, and Will Muschamp all coaching your yeah, defense. That's, <laughs> that's that's insanity. So yeah, it, and that that goes really but, well for team success but not very well for individual accolades. And that's what... Which, honestly, I, I don't... I know players want it, but I don't care that much about individual awards. Like, I want our players to win them when I yeah. feel like they deserve them, especially ones that are position-based. But at the same time, like, I really don't care um, if one wins one the Heisman to me has always been like, okay, it's an impressive award. But at the end of the day, like most of the time when someone has the Heisman, they go play their ball or the playoff yeah. and they end up playing terribly. So it's like, you know, especially before the playoff, it was almost always people would win it and then play terrible in the bowl game. So I never liked, also I never liked that it was given before the postseason, like play the entire thing out and then yeah. get it, you know. But that's just me. I, I really think that switch so, last year is what helped um, Devonte Smith win the Heisman. His his play um, uh, in the uh, um, in the semifinal, and really, I think that's what helped make sure Najee had a uh, Najee Harris had an invite. That hurdle over the Notre Dame defensive guy, like that's that's what sealed it for him. I mean that 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 was the Heisman play that people talk about, like the Heisman highlight. Um, but if if it's given away, it, if it's given out the week after conference championships, it's between Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. There's no doubt in my mind, and, and it would have been whoever whoever won the game wins the Heisman. Because you're right, it goes to a quarterback nine times out of ten, and that early. That's that's the guys who are standing out, um, but you know, the the Heisman has gone outside of the the main players, right? Lamar Jackson got it, uh, RG three got it, uh, so I think there's more precedent for for Ritter getting it, um, whether they make the the playoff or not, but especially if they do, uh, just because it's somebody outside of the the traditional powers. But it would be nice to see a defensive. Uh, player or two in the top five. Yeah. Just for the record, uh, the hurdling players was, was, uh, that started with yeah. the Georgia player. And not the one that most no, people would most think. Because most people would immediately go to Todd Gurley, yeah. but no, it was no yeah. Sean Marino. I remember Marino. Godly, he was great. He, he, he played back with uh, Matt that, Stafford, right? Yeah, but when he when he hurled that guy that one time, I was just like, 
my jaw dropped. I was like, how do you turn yeah. on that high? Like, guys do it now. I mean, Najee's was impressive, but I mean, guys do it now. And it's like when guys are going real low to get them, yeah. take out their feet, they just like jump a, you know, couple feet or whatever. And, and it's not a hard jump. But like when Noshan did it, like the guy was almost, he was barely mm-hmm. leaned over at all. He just hurtled right over. Yeah. And I was just like, how do you do that mid run? That's insane. No, Sean would have been great in the NFL if he hadn't yeah. gotten hurt. He, uh, where did he go? I think he went to the Dolphins. Is that right? I, I, I wanted to say Lions, I but I, I think uh, Stafford went to the Lions. Yeah, Stafford was a – he got drafted by the Lions. No, Sean, I think he may have played a couple places, but yeah. I want to say the Dolphins. But you're right. That that hurdle And he just insane. got hurt. It's as funny as you were describing that. I was thinking, man, you know, if anybody else tries that jump, it would be more like Antonio Brown trying to jump over the punter and just kicking him right in the face mask. Oh, man. Uh but yeah, I mean, there's been some crazy athletes make some crazy jumps now. I don't think for a while, I don't think anybody like tried yeah. that, you know. And then once he did it, I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurt, you know, hurdle better than him, and or you know, whatever. I'm, I can do that too, kind of thing. But I'm not saying that it never happened before, no, Sean, but. I don't remember anyone doing anything like that. Um, yeah, he went to the Broncos, by the way. I just looked it up. He, no yeah, he did. No he, did. His last year was with the Dolphins, so you were spot on with that. that. That's that's what it was. Okay, that's right. He did go to. That was was Peyton still there when he went? Fourteen or four, uh, thirteen was his last year in Denver. So I don't think Manning was there yet. Okay, so he just missed. Okay. Yeah, he he didn't get a ring. All right, I couldn't. <laughs> Man, that'd have been great. Peyton yeah. Manning throwing passes, no Sean Marino running the rock. Yeah. He might have beat Seattle. Throwing two no Sean because no Sean oh, yeah. could catch some balls. He was great out of the backfield. But, uh, Georgia running backs typically are. Um, that's one thing Georgia has done is make their make dual running backs, and that's why James Cook will have a chance at the NFL. Because if you just as a pure runner, James is not Dalvin. Yeah, like he's just not. But he's got that passing ability that Georgia just for years has developed multi-purpose backs. And uh, so I think I think he'll get drafted. Uh, I just don't know where, like how high. What do you say? Mexican okay, picks? yeah, we we kind of <laughs> ran off on a rabbit trail there for a while. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was it was a little fun. Um, you want to start with your Mad Hatter since we're going out uh, of SEC? Yeah. Yeah, I I hate to do it, man. I, I hate to do it because I'm all about uh, the Bama schools. But my Mad Hatter pick is going to be uh, USA, South Alabama on the road at Louisiana Monroe. Ooh. Monroe's, what, a 13-and-a-half point favorite? 
or I'm sorry, um, South Alabama. Yeah, 13 point favorite. Um, I just, I don't know. That's that's the one that jumped out on the page. I'm, I hope I'm wrong, but that's the one I'm going with. Home, home team pulls the upset. So you're taking. Okay. Monroe to beat. Yeah. SA, USA. Yeah. Um, well, JV has uh, Northwestern beat. Oh, Texas. yes. Uh, I wanted to do that. I did. And here's why. Because Northwestern has a history mm-hmm. of upsetting good teams, even when they're not very good. Just like good. Purdue. But it just seems like they're <laughs> – yeah. But it seems it just seems like Northwestern is just really bad this year, like not their usual level of like mediocrity where they upset good teams. They just don't seem like they're that good at yeah. all this year. And Michigan is actually halfway decent. Michigan's um, been playing really well. So for, that's that's why I did not pick that one. Um, what I did go with. Um, I don't think any – I felt like I would be safe and no one else picking this one. I'm going to take oh – I can't believe I'm doing this because I'm going to go 0-4. I'm going to take Tulane over I, I, that's the That was my number two. I almost went with that one. Oh, uh, and here's why. Yep. They're 1-5, but shoot, Tulane almost beat Oklahoma. Yeah. Like, you know, I, you know, I mean – and. I don't really know. Is SMU really that good, or they just play nobody? You know, I mean, it's one of those things that, like, I don't remember what the spread was, but it's it wasn't 14. that. Two touchdowns. Fourteen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, Smu's good. So you know, Smu's I mean, got some do, talent. I think. Not not theology, but talent. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Their talent was on the football there. field. Uh, <laughs> For any Methodist listening, it's a joke. Don't take me too far. <laughs> not not trying to criticize there. Uh, but uh, all right, let's let's get into it. Um, we all know that Arkansas is going to win this week, but oh shit, there's, there's not, not even, even a spread. I mean, there's not even yeah. a line. Good grief. Uh, JB says Arkansas covers. Well, of course they do because there's yeah. not a line. <laughs> oh, me. Well, that's pointless. Um, and there's not many games this week. So, um, A&M is favored by 19 and a half over Carolina. I think we both think they win that game. But I, do I they think cover? they do. I, I think A&M is still riding with some momentum from Bama. I, I think it. You know, even in the win, as weird as this may sound, thirty-five to fourteen against Missouri, I think that was um, not as well as they would have performed had they not just played Alabama the week before. Um, and I think this is, um, you know, earlier in the season or later in the season. That's probably you know a, a thirty-point, uh, thirty to forty-point difference in the score. Um, and I think yeah. they're going to bounce back. They're playing at home again, uh, and this is uh, you know after going on the road to Missouri. So I think they're back home. They they want they don't want to come back home after knocking over Alabama and then lose to South Carolina. So they're going to come out 
firing on all cylinders and uh, ramping up for Auburn coming in the next week. So, I mean, it's going to be three, four touchdowns easy. Yeah, yeah, I have um, A&M covering as well. JB, however, doesn't. What does he know? I think yeah, – yeah, uh, I mean, look, South Carolina lost Luke Doty. They got a graduate assistant playing quarterback. Yeah, he won it for him, but he won it for for them against Vanderbilt. Like, I mean, he's doing his thing. I mean, uh, no, I mean it counts. I, I'm just saying, like, yeah, a m is a much better team than Vanderbilt. So. Yeah. I'll say that a and m plays the nineteen and a half. Um, all right, we have. Mississippi State and Vanderbilt State is twenty favored by twenty point five. Man, again, I'm gonna say the state lays the points. They win and, and lay the twenty point five. JB says the same. I just don't. Vanderbilt's just not good. Yeah. At all. Like at all, they are. Miserably bad. Yeah, South Carolina has not been good, and Vanderbilt somehow lost to South Carolina. Um, golly, I, but at the same time, though, one of my frustrations with Leach's teams, uh, as high powered as his offense can be, a lot of times it, it's kind of like uh, in the same vein as Gus Malzahn and Lane Kiffin, where they're known for. Um, quarterbacks and, and, and airing out the ball, but a lo- most often they're running the ball. And Leach has shown that even in his air raid offense, they get a lot of runs going. And, and I think Mississippi State wins comfortably, but I don't think they quite pull the spread. What What is it, 20? What's the spread, 20.5? I was thinking three touchdowns, so that's just barely over. So I'll flip it around. Uh, I was thinking it was 23. I was going to say just under, but I'll say they win by three touchdowns. So they just barely cover. Okay. Um, And then let's go to LSU at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is favored by nine, which just puts it out of the Yeah. Possibility for a bad hatter pick. <laughs> uh, what do you think on this one? I, sorry, LSU, they're getting blown out. Uh, <laughs> Ole Miss after yeah. now. Now, granted, um, the the one factor that may uh, impact this more than maybe we realize is the after effects of Knoxville, because that was an emotional day, uh, or an emotional day for Kiffin, whether he admits it publicly or not. And that was a dramatic finish without all the extracurriculars, just the toll that it took on the players yeah. and no telling what happened afterwards. Uh, that's something that kind of sticks in your mind for a few days when it's in the news constantly. I, I think it might actually distract them a little bit from their preparation. That said, I think LSU's in a tailspin. I, I think you've got a coach, a literal lame duck coach. Like this is, this is like when you have an election and then they take office like two, three months later. Like that's what's happening here. Like you know he's not going to be here anymore. 
He's not calling the shots. And yet he's still in the position. And um, I just don't see LSU, even coming out, uh, coming off the, the big win against Florida, LSU is going to fold and uh, Ole Miss is, is going to win by, I don't know, I'd say four or five touchdowns. And I think uh, Kiffin um, wants to get his boy back in the, uh, the Heisman conversation. Honestly, I think Corral is going to have a career day. Wow. Okay. Well, JV says that Ole Miss wins in coverage. I, I'm going to say they cover the nine. I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say four or five touchdowns, but I could see it happening. Um, I'm not going to say that officially, but I could see that being the result eventually. Um, LSU's just not good. I think they're giving up. Ole Miss has still got something to play for. So I don't know, man. I'm just feeling the points this week um, in the, uh, for the favorites. I like them all. Give me all the favorites. I mean – if Alabama slips up and somehow loses one more, which I don't think they will, that puts Ole Miss at the top, you know? I mean, so if you look at it that way. Um, and finally, we have Tennessee traveling to Alabama. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that Alabama lays a 25 and maybe even wins worse. Um Tennessee is emotional after last game. They think they got screwed. They're going to be mad, but I think it's also going to affect them in a negative way. Um, and Alabama hates Tennessee. They yep. love destroying them. And I think they're going to have a field day. Uh, I, I just, I don't think. I don't think Tennessee can can score enough, and I think that Bama will do just fine scoring on Tennessee's defense. Uh, JB says Bama covers as well. I mean, what what's um, your thought? Well, long story short, is give me give me Bama with all the points because in Saban's tenure. There is no team that he has beat consistently with large margin of victories than, than the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, they have not uh, won by less than two touchdowns, but twice in since 2007, so 14 years. Yeah, Facebook didn't, <laughs> Facebook exist. didn't exist. No, nobody has posted on Twitter about Tennessee beating Alabama. All of that. And, I mean, just looking at the, the last scores, like last year in Knoxville, 48-17. to 17, That's a 31-point win. Two years ago, 35-13. to 13, That's 22. Um, Knoxville the year before, 58-21, to 45-7, to 49-10. Bruh, Bama is going to run wild. They're going to sing Rammer Jammer and light some cigars and uh, bid Tennessee uh, a couple flat tires on the way home. Get out of town. Bye. And hopefully, 
uh, yes. Dixieland and, delight. And, and in case I haven't made it clear, I hate Tennessee. <laughs> they low down. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I just can't. I can't, I can't stress, stress that, that enough, enough, man. They dirty. <laughs> <laughs> they some snitches. <laughs> they snitches. I don't. I don't like. Don't like Nathan Stadium. Like garbage truck workers car, convention. Garbage truck workers convention. It's that throw up orange. Oh man! That, that orange is out <laughs> yeah. of the pumpkin. He's like, I'm not a dolls person. It's like, and it's it's it's, it's uh, orange. It's like it's not that orange you can sit with. Like I don't like Auburn, <laughs> but I hate Tennessee. <laughs> It's like, it's like, I don't like their colors. See, it's not that yeah. orange you can sit with. It's like the inside of a pumpkin sure. orange. And I don't like pumpkins. Man, that is a classic. Oh, man. It, it really is. And it, it never, never gets does. old. It's beautiful. It's, it's just... What's funny is he's hmm? not trying to be funny. He is 100% dead yeah. serious. And that's what makes it great. If he was trying to be funny, it wouldn't really be that funny. Because it wouldn't be genuine. It would just be trying to make a joke yeah, and get but, laughs. Man. But, that's gorgeous. I love it so much. I um, love hating Tennessee. It's, it's, uh, oh, it's great. Uh, you know, growing up on the border just south of Tennessee, I mean... Heading Tennessee was the thing to do. It's so easy. Know? There was nothing. It really is. Yeah. It doesn't take any effort. <laughs> I mean, I hate Auburn. Oh, me. I mean, I hate Auburn, but there, there's some effort involved. Tennessee yeah. just like it comes natural. Just, it, it flows. <laughs> it really does, man. Oh, God. Well, you got yeah, I just want to throw um, uh, one thing out there. Um, less miles back to LSU. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Bring the he- Mad Hatter back to the SEC. I was going to say that. That's, that's all of our Mad Hatter pick this week. Yeah. <laughs> the, the actual Mad Hatter. Oh, man. That's great. I love it. Oh, man. Well, it was fun. Um, I always love doing it, but uh, just remember, brothers, to let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And we'll see you in the tower.